Blog Talk Radio. I tell him I do I do some I do some squash where I chop it up real real small with onion and then I I marinate it with some Italian dressing dressing and then I saute it I like it that way too it's delicious you can't hardly mess a squash up and and well I say I I should have said that. And then you started falling, huh? Yeah, you bought, you, bought a squash, you bought a squash or an okra. You might as well forget it. You done ruined it. You done ruined it once you boil it. Oh. I love okra. Fried okra. Turn daddy on top of the peas. Fried okra, they ain't much better.
It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Amen. Praise God. I'm so glad for the cross. Hallelujah. I got home today. I was sitting, we were, you know, we've been talking this morning so much about about the Lord coming, and I just got sitting and thinking about all the people that I hadn't seen in so long that I'm looking forward to seeing there. I tell you, it just got me all excited and choked up all at the same time. And I, I'm, I tell you what, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Lord's coming. I'm anticipating the Lord's coming, and I hope you are too. I'm telling you, I don't know when, but I know that it won't be long because uh, the world events are leading us to that point where it's got to, he's got to come soon. So, you know, and I, you know, the Bible, you know, a lot of people, they point to Matthew, Matthew 24 and they say, well, you know, can't nobody know when he's coming because it says he's coming as a thief in the night. But the Apostle Paul right over in First Thessalonians tells us, he said, brethren, he said, he said, you're not, you're not, the dark, he said the, the time, he said, no, let me find exactly what he said. He said, the day shouldn't overtake you as a thief. That's what he said. You're not in darkness if the day should overtake you as a thief. The Jews were in darkness. They rejected they rejected Christ and they were in darkness and until Christ until God reveals to them that Jesus is the Christ, they'll remain in darkness. And so we're not in darkness. The Bible says that the day isn't going to overtake us as a thief. We're looking for him. So we need we need we need to be looking for our Lord. Amen. He is our blessed hope. Amen. And so we're we're to have that hope, and it's to be a blessed hope. Amen. There ain't no fear in that. Amen. If, if there's any fear when somebody talks about the Lord's fixing to come, you need to check either your salvation or check your relationship with God, because there'll not be any fear. It ought to make you excited down to the tips of your toes that Jesus may snatch you plumb out of your shoes any moment. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm ready for Him to come snatch me out of these boots. Amen. I'm ready to go. All right. Having said that, we need to pray for some folks. Let's remember Scott in prayer. How's Scott? You talked to Scott lately? Okay. Well, let's remember Scott and lift him up in prayer. Uh, ask God to give him good days. Let's remember and, and pray for him a a, a, a liver transplant. Um, pray for that that candidate to come come up. Well, I mean that's going to mean somebody's going have to go through a horrible thing to get that. But that's just the way that's just the way things are. Uh, but pray that recipient comes available so he's able to get that um let's see praying for you praying for dan back there amen who else donnie's family miss nail's foot praying for miss anya who else we got diane bonnie's not here tonight, i guess because her family's in but uh anyway praying for for diane praying who else we got I said her. I said you. I pointed at her. Oh, oh, look at you. I said you. Uh-huh. Yeah, pray for me too. Pray for me. Uh, yeah, pray. Just pray God. Make sure I got the right messages that I'm going into that thing with, and that God gives me power and clear mind and, and, a, and a heart that's on fire for God. That's what I want. So if you pray for me, that I sure appreciate you and thank you very much for it. All right. So anything else, let's go to the Lord. Let's go to him in prayer, and let's ask God to meet with us tonight. And you pray for me tonight as I get ready to preach. Let's go, Lord. Uh, Robert, let's talk to you. 
Amen. You can be seated. Happy in Jesus, but to 
All right, let's turn back to number 91. <clears throat> number 91, what a day that'll be.
God's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to his heart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujah to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Amen. Praise God for that. Hallelujah. So thankful tonight to be saved. Amen. Didn't do a thing to earn it. Didn't do a amen. Didn't do a thing to get it, but trust. I trusted what he did. Amen. Take your Bible. Turn with me to First Corinthians. We we're gonna make our way to it today. Just took me a little while to get over there. But I just like I told you this morning. I just sitting there. Sitting there Saturday looking at all this, I had the message ready to go in First Corinthians, but it was just like, I just don't feel like the greatest need of our church at the moment is dealing with the tongues issue. And although I wanted to address it, I just didn't feel like this morning was the right necessary time to do so. So I decided just to swap it around and push Nehemiah off to later and do it tonight. So <clears throat> you pray for me. God will give me what you need and help me to bring it, amen. And hopefully we'll learn something out of this. I'm going. I'm broadcasting it, so it'll be, everybody's been watching it so far online and following in. If they, if they have been people following week by week and keeping up with where we're going through the Bible, they'll be able to keep up with it. But anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I'm not going to read all 40 verses before we start. But we're going to cover all 40. It won't take us that long because I'm going to run through them. I'm not, I'm not going to go slow. I'm not going to hang on one spend a half hour. Uh, but, again, we're going to go through them kind of rapidly. But if, I believe if you pay attention, if you listen to what I'm saying, if you follow close along, you shouldn't have any confusion whatsoever. And that's my point is to clear up confusion. If I feel like we come to some things where people ain't understanding, we might split this up into two lessons. But we're going to see what we can do. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to meet with us tonight, and we'll get to the end of the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for every piece of it, every little bit. And, Lord, even the hard parts that people have hard times with. And, Lord, I realize this scripture I'm going to cover tonight. Lord, it's going, it'll not, it won't upset anybody in here in this room tonight, but it may upset some people who watch. Because, Lord, we're going to deal with a subject that's very sensitive to some people, and that's the subject of speaking in tongues. And, Lord, I want to be clear on this matter. I don't want to I don't want to vilify anybody. I don't have a religious axe to grind with anybody. And, Lord, I, I appreciate the zeal and enthusiasm that people have in the Lord. But, 
Lord, this doctrine matters, and, and pray, I pray tonight you'll help us to understand that doctrine clearly so that we can see whether there's error or whether there's truth there and, and what's going on presently today in churches. Lord, I just pray you'd help me now. <coughs> Holy Ghost of God, help me to say what ought to be said in the manner it ought to be said and to hush my mouth when I've said enough. Lord, please, use me now. Speak through me, and I'll give you all the glory and praise for it. Thank you for saving my old wretched soul, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. And, like, you know, I want to start off by saying tonight, again, I know ain't nobody in here going to have a problem with anything I say, because last time I checked, y'all was all Baptists, and y'all all believe, believe the Bible. But I realized tonight, by way of, Electronic media, we're gonna reach out. This thing goes out, go all the way around the world. Anybody in the world can that can find me can log in and watch this. And I realize there'll be people that'll watch this. Probably somebody say, "Hey, you need to watch this." And somebody might get a hold of their charismatic friend and say, "You need to watch this video." Well, I'm, my point here tonight is not to hurt anybody. I don't want to harm anybody's faith. I just want to shed some light tonight on Scripture so that people understand what the Bible says. <laughs> and what it doesn't say. <coughs> and the second thing that I want to do is to clear up confusing false doctrines because there are some confusing false doctrines out there, such as the false doctrine that, that tongues are necessary for salvation. Okay, That's a false doctrine that's taught and preached in many charismatic churches, and most of them, as a matter of fact, but but especially the uh, the uh, Pentecostal church, they, they tend to preach that. And I believe the Assembly of God and Church of God as well. I'm not sure 100% on both of those. But that tongues are necessary for salvation. In other words, they say, you know, you've got to get the Holy Ghost. And they say it real fast. Holy Ghost. You get the Holy Ghost, you don't speak in tongues. You've got to relax your tongue and just let her loose and, 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 and let it come on. Let it out. Let it out. And they'll encourage someone <coughs> to do that. Y'all pray for me. These allergies are getting to me tonight. But uh, but the second one that we're gonna that we hope comes is an ecstatic prayer language. There's a belief that that this uh, gibbering, this this uh, I call it a vowel movement because it's just little, little, you know, who knows what it is coming out of their mouth. Uh, but but anyway. But when they speak in tongues, that's not them. They say, oh, it's a secret language that only God and I understand, and that's my secret prayer language. Well, we're going to clear that up, and hopefully we'll clear up this idea that tongues is a wonderful, blessed gift that every Christian ought to seek after. Because if if you visit, if if you have a Pentecostal friend, or if you visit a Pentecostal church, you'll leave there thinking, I've got to have this because this is what they all got. So we're going to look at that tonight. So let's get into it. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Lord, help me. Let's get this cleared up. Follow after charity. We just come out of the 13th chapter, remember, where he said, Faith, uh, now abideth these three, faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of these is charity. All right? So remember that. We need to remember that charity is the most important thing. And so Paul goes right into this saying, to follow after charity, which means, let charity lead, right? If you follow something, it's ahead of you. So you're not up front saying, 
I'm going to get the spotlight. If we can love you in the process, we will. No, it, we're going to love you, and whether I get you the spotlight or not, it's not important. That's the way it's supposed to be done. That's what Paul is saying there. So he said, he said, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with desiring a spiritual gift, but you've got to do it while following after charity. You've got to do it with the right heart. And he says, but rather, rather that you may prophesy. So preaching, or pro- well, let's look at what the word prophesy means here. Prophesy means to teach, to refute. So if something's wrong, go I'm doing that tonight. I'm going to refute tonight. That's what preaching is. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to refute some things. I'm going to reprove, which is correct some things, and, and admonish or to instruct or to comfort. That's what, that's what prophesying is. So preaching, essentially, is what we're talking about, right? Because 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4 says, Preach the word, be instant, in season, so be ready to go when it's convenient, even when it ain't. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. So, so two-thirds of, of preaching is negative. Reproving and rebuking is, is, is correcting. It's, and then exhort is positive. That's to encourage with all long-suffering and doctrine. So don't get away from the truth and stay with it. So that's what, we're, that's what he instructed Timothy to do. He said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We're there. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, not preachers, but teachers, having itching ears. Of course, that means they want to be told whatever they want to hear. And it shall turn, and they shall turn their ears away from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. People are turned to fables today. People today believe in aliens. I mean, they're talking about. They've been talking about. Y'all, have y'all heard? The, Alien talk here lately? Now, I ain't going to lie to you. Now, I, I seen something in the sky the other night that kind of freaked me out, but I knew it wasn't aliens. I went out the, I went out the door because I heard the dog barking, and I thought somebody pulled up the driveway. So I said, come on, girl, let's see who it is. So we went out the front door and walked down to the end of my porch, down the end of my sidewalk, turned there at the end of the house. And my house, place, is that in my house place is south, so I'm standing there looking south. I didn't see nothing. And out of the corner of my eye over here, off in the west toward Prairie Land School, I see something in the sky behind my oak tree that just lit the whole sky up. And I looked, and it looked like, it looked, literally it looked like something was shooting sparks up in the sky. It looked like a Roman candle going off. I didn't have my phone, so I took off running, and I ran in the house. And I was going to take a picture of it, get a video of it. I got my phone, I ran out the back door, got up on my porch, and as soon as I did it, it's like somebody shut the breaker off now, and I just went poof. Now, somebody took a picture of it. It looked like a big, long trail of stars. It looked like a big one. I was waiting for the two and the three and the four. I don't know what was going to happen next. But, but anyway, but I knew it wasn't aliens. But we've been hearing all this stuff about aliens, people saying 10-foot-tall creatures and all kinds of stuff. I mean, just people believe in aliens. They believe, they believe that, 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 that boys are girls and girls are boys and, and that the government's going to save them from the boogeyman. So, again, they turn into fables. If you believe that kind of stuff, you believe fables because those things are not true. And in a world so blind, it don't surprise me that carnal, get that word, carnal believers, if they are truly saved, will chase after pseudo-spiritual theatrics to make themselves look more important. Because that's, that's basically what we're dealing with. Again, verse 2, for he that speaketh, 
in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, I know we read that and you go, now, I don't know what all that meant. I read it, I saw it, but what did it say? We've got to deal with that unknown tongue right there first. You notice anything about that word unknown there in your text? It's in italics, isn't it? That word unknown, look at your text again. It's in italics. The reason it's in italics means it wasn't in the original language, but that it was added to aid in our understanding. So what it's telling us is a tongue that you don't know. Okay? Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, in the whole Scripture, is the word tongue used where it means anything other than either the muscle that's in your mouth or a known, earthly, spoken language. There is no anywhere in the Bible where the word tongue means anything other than a language that is known and spoken on earth somewhere. Now, so he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Now, who is it unknown to? It's unknown to the one speaking it. You speak in a language that you don't know. That's speaking in an unknown tongue. All right? If Luis was here this morning, if I'd have had Luis get up and testify in Spanish, a lot of you in here would have had no idea what he said. If you don't speak Spanish, he would have been speaking in an unknown tongue to you, but it wasn't unknown to him because he speaks Spanish, right? I can count. I can count to. I, I can count to eight in German. How many of y'all know German? Um, Okay, that's that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But I mean, again, if I hadn't told you that's what I was doing, you might not have known what I said. Uh, you know, again, it's an unknown tongue, and the Bible says, "He that speaketh." He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, he speaketh not unto men. You see that? He speaketh not unto men, right? What's the point of the gifts? Who are they for? Are the gifts for God? Gifts are for men. Okay? So the Bible says right there that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Somebody say, yeah, but he's speaking unto God. No, he's speaking unto God, preacher. No. Now, why does it say he's speaking unto God? Well, God's the only one that knows what's being said. If, if the fellow's speaking, is speaking in an unknown tongue, and, and again, and nobody understands him, the only person there that could possibly understand him is God if he's speaking in a real language at all. Okay? In Thayer's Greek lexicon, they, it speaks about this type of tongue. All right, this this un, somebody speaking in an unknown tongue. Uh, it says the gifts of these are the gifts of men. Listen to me, wrapped in ecstasy, and no longer quite masters of their own reason and consciousness, they pour forth their glowing spiritual emotions and strange utterances, rugged, dark, disconnected, quite unfitted to instruct or to influence the mind of others. That doesn't sound like anything. Godly, does it? Uh, of, of mysteries, it speaks of hidden or secret things, not obvious to the understanding. This is not like the spiritual mysteries Paul spoke of. Hidden or secret things not obvious to the understanding of the secret rites of the Gentiles. Ecstatic languages and mumblings were associated with the worship of Dionysus. Now, again, you've got all these people who come out of these pagan religions. And in these pagan religions, they had some of this tongue-speaking going on, this ecstatic stuff. Let me read you an excerpt describing this. It says, Following the torches 
as they dipped and swayed in the darkness, they climbed mountain paths with heads thrown back and eyes glazed, dancing to the beat of the drum which stirred their blood. In the state of ecstasis or enthusiasmos, they abandoned themselves, dancing wildly, calling, Yoi, Yoi, Yoi. And at that moment of intense rapture, they became identified with the God, little g, God himself. They became filled with his spirit and acquired divine powers. The worship of Apollo was also known for tongue-speaking and ecstatic languages. Apollo spoke through his oracle. The priestess of the oracle at Delphi was known as the Pythia. That's where you get Python from. Uh, she had to be an older woman of blameless, blameless life, chosen from among the peasants of the area. She sat on a tripod seat over an opening in the earth. When Apollo slew Python, it fell, its body fell into this fixture, according to legend, and fumes rose from its decomposing body. Intoxicated by the vapors, the, uh, the priestess would uh, fall into a trance, allowing Apollo to possess her spirit. In this state, she prophesied. It has been speculated that a gas high in ethylene known to produce violent trances came out of this opening, though this theory domain remains debatable. While in a trance, the Pythia raved, probably a form of ecstatic speech, and her ravings were translated by the priests of the temple into elegant hexameters. People consulted the Delphic oracle on everything from important matters of public policy to personal affairs. The oracle could not be consulted during the winter months, for this was traditionally the time when Apollo would live among the Hyperboreans. Dionysus would inhabit the temple during his absence. Now, that's what they come out of. That's what these people have been exposed to. So many, if not most of these people, have been around or they're very familiar with these pagan practices. They've grown up with this idea of, of these people just, you know, whatever they say, you know. But Shamalama, uh, Kamalama, all that, whatever. Kamala Harris, all that tongue speaking. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, to whatever extent these pagan rituals played in influencing the church at Corinth, I can't say. I have no idea. But, I mean, if, you, if, they, if you've grown up around that behavior your whole life, that seems normal. So when you come into a church and people start talking about gifts and you've got baby Christians who are trying to seem spiritual because they're competing with other Christians in every other area, as you've seen all the way through 14 chapters, these people are just trying to outdo one another in every way because they're all in their flesh. As Paul said, you're, you're carnal, so they're all in their flesh. So it's not a shock that they're trying to mimic behavior that they have seen prior in other things. Um, <clears throat> in 1905, William J. Seymour, if y'all never heard that name, he was an illiterate black man, preacher, one, he was a one-eyed 34-year-old son of freed slaves, he was a student of a well-known Pentecostal preacher by the name of Charles Parham. And on the encouragement of a woman by the name of Neely Carey, Seymour traveled to San Francisco where a Pentecostal meeting began. Preaching had recently begun, uh, pre uh, he, had, he had recently begun teaching the, that people that they could, they had to speak in tongues in order to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Again, this is 1905. This kind of teaching started to crop up in these Pentecostal churches. And, and there were women preachers involved, and, and, and 
in, in gibberish tongue speaking as well in all this. And in one meeting, a woman preached from Joel that this phenomenon was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're gibberish and tongue speaking. And it's been women-driven since the beginning, back in, 1900, in the 1900s and 1905. Dr. John R. Rice, who I know you all know his name, he used to say, you take the women out of the tongues movement and die overnight. And I agree with that statement. Because you get into one of these charismatic churches, you'll find that the, that the older women run the church. They absolutely run the church. They run the men in the church. And most of them got henpecked husbands just sit back there and keep their mouth shut. That's usually the way it is in that type of an environment. But again, regardless of where it started, regardless of the origins of this stuff, Paul's addressing false teaching in the Corinthian church. And so we're going to make application in our day as well. All right, verse 3. He that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification. When I preach, it's building people up. It's because doctrine, it builds people up once they know what God says. It edifies, builds up, exhorts, which is comfort, I mean to encourage and to comfort. So preaching does all those things. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue or a tongue he doesn't understand, it says he edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. Now that unknown tongue, again, right there, in that instance, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Again, now, now maybe he understands that language, but everybody else doesn't. Now, again, if Luis got up and praised God this morning in Spanish, he'd get a blessing out of it, but would nobody hear if nobody understood it. So, and he said, again, he, he said, but he that prophesies, but if somebody gets up and preaches, they're going to help, they're going to edify or, or help the whole church versus somebody getting up speaking in a tongue that nobody understands. That's what Paul's saying here. And he, verse 5, Paul said, I would, or I would like that ye all speak with tongues. Now, why is he saying that? Because Paul is a missionary. Paul goes from here to another country, from this country to that country, from this country to that country. And in these different countries, he runs into different dialects. He runs into different languages. And he's saying, hey, they're in the city of Corinth. You know what? That was a great business intersection. There are people from Africa. There are people from India. There are people from, from uh, uh, the, uh, I guess we say the Soviet Union, up in that direction, up in Europe. All these people are coming through because this is a grand central station for trade. So you got people from all over the place. And Paul said, I'd, I'd love it if all y'all could speak in all different kinds of languages. It sure would help out with evangelism, I think is what he's trying to, to imply there. But he said, but, but rather, I'd rather than y'all all spoke with tongues, I'd rather that you prophesied. I'd rather you just preach Jesus, what he's saying. He said, for great, now get this, for greater is he that prophesied. The preacher, one who just gets up and preaches the word of God, he that prophesies, he's greater than he that speaketh with tongues. But, but let me say this, you go in a charismatic church, not that way. They give you about 15, 20 minutes of preaching. They want to get the preaching over with so they can all get out in the hall, I mean, in the aisles and, oh, they won't do that for an hour. And that's about how long they do it. Their, their service, the longest part of their service is the tongue speaking part. The, 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 we're going to sit there and do that until we get caught up in it business. And, uh, he said, he said that greater is he that prophesies than he that speaketh in tongues except he pr interpret, unless somebody's there with him to, 
to, to explain what he's saying. Because, again, if, if Louis came in, and, and well, of course, Louis speaks English, but let's just, let me give you an example. Let, Krupa, when he was here, a lot of y'all didn't understand everything he said. Now, uh, and he spoke English, and y'all still didn't understand everything he said. But had I got up and told you what he was saying, then y'all would understand everything he was saying, right? And that's what Paul's saying. Somebody should get up and talk to the church unless people can understand what they're saying. It's, it, it's, it, that's, that's the best way. Why? So that the church may receive edifying because that's the point. The church being blessed and growing, that's the whole point. It's not so somebody can show how spiritual they are or how knowledgeable they are. It's so that everybody's blessed. That's the whole point. Charity is the driving force of all of it, and charity is blessing everybody. So Paul would rather have people preached instead of trying to be super spiritual. Because, listen, nobody's blessed if somebody gets up and speaks in a language nobody understands, are they? No. All right? So let's look here. Let's look at the issue. Is terms evidence for salvation? 1 Corinthians 12. We looked at this in two chapters ago, verses 28 through 31. The Bible says, And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then the gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. It's the last thing mentioned. Tongues necessary for salvation if it's the last thing he mentioned? I don't think so. I don't think so. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers for miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? He says, but covet earnestly the best gifts. He's not going to mention the best gifts last. He's going to mention the best gifts first. And he said, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Verse 6, now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? So if I come to you, and, and say, I, I showed up here tonight speaking in Russian. I got up tonight, I sang the song service in Russian. Y'all are all looking at each other. What is he doing? We don't understand a word of that. And then I go through the announcements and everything in, in Russian, and then I get into the message in Russian. What is it going to profit you? So, well, we went, we thought, we heard Brother Brandon, but we didn't understand a word he was saying. He said, except I shall speak unto you by revelation. That's telling you something that you have not known up until now. I have to do that in a language you understood. Or by knowledge. If I gave you something that really helped you in your understanding, I'd have to do that in a language you understand. Or by prophesying, just preaching. Or by doctrine, by teaching you something. All those things have to be done in a language you can understand. Verse 7, he said, For, and even things without life, giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Now, I walk over to the piano, and I play. Know that one? What about 
time when I'm just playing the meter of the song. You have to give the distinctive sound. In other words, the notes have to be right. And I'm not the world's best piano player, so don't don't buy that. But but again, playing playing these notes are important. You know, again, somebody anybody pick up a guitar and go. But boy, when you begin to make chords, it makes all the difference in the world. And again, just getting up and that don't do anybody any good. You have to use language where people understand what's being said. Again, verse 9, So likewise ye, except ye, by, ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. What are we reading here tonight? We are reading rules by which a person may speak in tongues in the church. These are rules. And again, he's very plain in this. Unless you're speaking something with your tongue that can easily be understood, nobody's going to understand the words you're saying. You're speaking into the air. You're like a man. Y'all ever see somebody little out of their mind walking down the street just talking to themselves? I mean, just talking away. Y'all ever see anybody do that? I used to think that fellow took too many drugs. And he's lost his mind. He used to be a guy... He used to be a guy who used to walk down the street in Paris. He'd walk down the street punching. He was just boxing the whole way. He was boxing and talking the whole way. I never did want to run into that fellow on the sidewalk. But, uh, but yeah, people are speaking to the air. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse. Do you remember we read that here a while? And no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Again, we're talking about this jibber-jabber. I read the story years ago. I believe I read it in the Sword of the Lord, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe it was a message I heard by Dr. Curtis Hudson. He was telling of a friend that he had who, uh, it was a Chinese, a man from China. He moved to the United States. He spoke Chinese very well. And someone, a friend of his, who went to a Pentecostal charismatic-type church, had invited him to church with them. And he had gone to that church, and, and someone in that church service had begun to had stood up and began to speak in what they called uh, an, an unknown tongue. And that man got extremely offended and walked out of the service. Well, his friend followed him out. He said, where are you going? He said, I'm not going to sit in there and listen to them cursing my Savior that way. I'm not going to sit in there and listen to them saying them vile, vile words about my Savior. They were cursing my Savior in my tongue. The people in there speaking didn't even have no idea what they were saying. Again, no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. Put that in your head. Amen. Verse 10. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world. And note this. And none of them is without signification. In other words, they all mean something to somebody. So again, there are no languages in the world, Paul saying, that mean nothing to anybody. So That don't mean nothing, Paul said. He'd run into that. Wasn't exactly the way it is today, probably, but it was very close. Now, no, no, verse 11. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, if I don't know what they're saying, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. That means I'm like a dummy. I ain't got no idea what's being said. I'm like a man who don't know nothing. Somebody's... somebody's Somebody's speaking a language that I ain't never heard before. I mean, again, I might as well be an idiot that don't know a thing. 
worthless. What good is he going to do me? I can't, I can't decipher what he's saying. And he said, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian to me. It's like, we just might be saying, like, two people, <laughs> each other. We don't know what the other's saying. We're like animals barking at each, barking like dogs at each other. There's no, nothing being said. Verse 12, for, for so ye, even so ye, listen, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, that was the key to it. They were carnal, and they wanted to have spiritual gifts, so they say, I got mine. Woo, I got my gift. Y'all look at me. Listen to me, honey. I can speak tongues over here. I said, y'all, y'all, y'all gung-ho about these spiritual gifts. He said, but you need to, you need to, you need to seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. If you want a gift, you need to ask God to give you something that you can bless the rest of the church with and not just bless yourself. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. If you're going to speak in another language, you've got to pray God to give you what you're saying so you can tell everybody and so that you, what you're doing is scriptural. That's what he's saying. Amen. Listen, it's not right for somebody to stand up somewhere and just jibber-jabber something off, and, that, and that'd be the end of it. Nobody ever know what was said. That's foolishness. That's confusion. So what's the point? Listen to verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Okay? If I, here's what he's saying. If I pray in a language I don't know, Right? Again, an unknown tongue is not, not mean a different language than what's spoken on earth. If I pray in an unknown tongue, an unknown language to myself, he said, <coughs> I don't understand what I'm saying. I may be praying, but I don't understand a thing I'm saying. How do you pray and not know what you're saying? I mean, I claim I'm praying, talking to God, but I'm not really talking. I don't know what I'm saying. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this the human spirit praying? No. I'll tell you why. If it were, the person praying would have understanding. If, they were praying, if the human spirit was praying, they'd know what, I mean, when I talk, I know what I'm saying. You talk, you know what you're saying. Right? Okay. Job 32, 8 says, but there is a spirit in man. Inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. The Bible tells us that spiritual things are revealed to us by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12 says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither at the internet of the hearts of man, the things that God, which God has prepared for them that love him. And, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. So they're praying. He said, I pray with my spirit. What? What are we talking about here? My, what, what, what kind of spirit are we talking about here? If, if the human spirit, if you don't know what you're speaking, and if the Spirit of God is not revealing something to you, what are you speaking with? Is the Holy Spirit praying in that instance? Somebody might say, well, so remember that verse back in Romans? He inter- intercedes with uh, utterings, uh, groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, hold on a minute. 
The Holy Spirit edifies the whole church. First Corinthians fourteen four. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So when the Holy Spirit speaks through somebody, it edifies the whole church. The Holy Spirit would also give interpretation to the speaker if the Holy Spirit was working in it. First Corinthians fourteen five. I would that you spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Again, this is all about blessing the church. So who is doing the praying if it isn't the human spirit and it isn't the Holy Spirit? Well, these carnal believers won't do spiritual. But they're in the flesh. They're carnal. Paul said so. They had a desire to pray as they had done before they were saved when they saw and participated in the unknown tongues and the worship of Dionysus or Apollo, which would have been tradition and common among them. And the charismatic have a desire to pray in tongues as their leaders have done since 1905. They're not trying to do what God said or they see in the scriptures that Paul said that ain't, that ain't you don't, shouldn't speak after that. They say, okay, we need to be done with that and the whole tongues movement would die out if they were truly seeking God in this. But, but I'm going to tell you right now, every one of them is seeking to speak with this unknown gibberish, which is which nobody understands but them. Again, that's not God-driven. That's self-driven. And I know they say, you're speaking blasphemy. How dare you speak against the Holy Ghost? I'm not speaking against the Holy Ghost. I'm showing in the Scripture. I'm not. I'm not saying a bad word at all about the Holy Ghost of God. Heavens know I would never do such a thing. But I can tell you this. I think what's being what's being dishonest is trying to put all that stuff on the Holy Spirit and say that's him doing it. Verse 15, what is it then? Paul's saying, what I think about it. That's what he's saying. He says, what is it then? So what I think about all this. He said, I'll pray with the Spirit and I'll pray with the understanding also. I'll sing with the Spirit and I'll sing with the understanding also. He's saying, you can't pray without understanding what you pray, what you're saying. You can't pray unless you know what you're saying. You can't sing unless you understand what you're saying. <laughs> Otherwise, it don't do anybody any good. Y'all remember when we was baptizing? Uh, we was baptizing Aubrey and Brianna and, and, and Blake and uh, Krupa and Mary. We sat up here going, coochie, 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 coochie. Y'all didn't have no idea what they were saying. Y'all just sitting there grinning, looking at them. Y'all didn't have no idea. Y'all didn't want to say Gucci, 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 because you know what it meant, didn't you? No. Right? See, it doesn't edify. I mean, you knew they were singing something joyfully, but you didn't know what it was. All right, let's keep going. I got to hurry. All right. Verse, verse 16. Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned Get that right there, unlearned. That's somebody that don't that ain't never been in church. That's somebody that's a visitor that just came in. So if 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 he said, Then if I shall bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say Amen? At the giving at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. You can't bless the church if the church don't understand. You got somebody in there that don't know what you're saying. They can't say amen, agree with you, because they don't know what to agree with. Verse 17, for thou verily give us thanks well, 
but to others not edified. Again, remember, we are in a cosmopolitan city with people of all different nations, so there are tongues, people coming in, that do speak in unknown tongues to other people. All right? He said, okay, for verily thou givest thanks well, but to others not edified. The other person don't get anything out of it. He said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. Again, Paul went all over the place. He, he had, God gave him the power to speak in whoever's language he came across so that he could minister to them the word of God. He said, I, I speak with tongues more than ye all, but verse 19, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding than by my voice, I'm sorry, yeah, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. I'd rather speak five words, do what I was saying to the church, than 10,000 words, that'd take a minute, wouldn't it, in an unknown tongue, which would help nobody because everybody would go, what was he saying? This is not hard to understand. I mean, anybody, anybody with, 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 with that's paying attention could read the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians to come out of there realizing that the modern charismatic movement is just a bunch of shows. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Again, they're carnal. They're like babes in Christ. Y'all acting like a bunch of little kids. Me, 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 me. Me, me, me. All right, kids, let's line up for birthday cake. I won't line. Let me, let me get line first. No, get back. It's my turn. That's what that's what he's saying. Y'all are being like. Much of the little kids shoving and pushing each other out of the way, trying to get the first of the line. That's what you're acting like. Be not children in understanding. You can't figure out what God's doing here. God's trying to bless your church, and you're trying to bless yourself. He said, be not children in understanding. How be it in malice be ye children, be, under, be in, understand, in understanding be men. Okay? So he's saying, when it comes, when it comes to... Uh, to uh, your heart, you need to have a heart like a little kid. Little kids forgive quick. Little kids are, are generally good to each other. In your heart, be a good kid, but in your mind, grow up. Grow up. In the law, verse 21, it is written, for with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. They will not hear me. Verse 22, wherefore tongues, this, this is the important stuff right here. Wherefore tongues are for a sign. Somebody said, aha! Not for them that believe. So they ain't got no place in the church. Am I reading that right? Tongues are for a sign, but not for them that believe. So again, a, a child of God ain't got no business in a church house trying to speak in tongues, according to the Word of God, but to them that believe not. What does that mean? Again, Paul, going to somebody who spoke a different language, he needed to do it in order to communicate to them that Jesus died for their sins. That's what tongues are for. But prophesying or preaching for them that believe not. I ain't no sense of me trying to teach doctrine to somebody that don't even know how to be saved, Okay. He said, but for them which believe. So, again, doctrine is for people who are saved. Verse 23, if therefore the whole church come, be come together in one place, and by the way, just like I said this morning, a church ain't a building. It's the people coming together. 
and all speak with tongues. So imagine, if you will, that we all came together this evening and everybody's speaking a different language. And somebody came in here that had never been here before. Unlearned. Never been to church before in their life. Stumbled in here. Are unbelievers. Will they not say that you're mad? Y'all are crazy. Y'all are a bunch of nuts. Everybody's speaking a different language. That's what they say. Y'all have lost y'all's minds. I have been around some of that, and that's what I thought. Again, I told you about going into that locker room after my knee pads when I was in the high school, and I come around that corner, and I heard all that tongue speaking, and I thought, ooh, I need to get out of here. I don't need the knee pads that bad. I didn't go get them. I said, forget that. I'll play without knee pads. That's crazy. That sounds crazy. I ain't going in there about that. I'm scared of that. Now, if that was God, would I be afraid of that? I saved. No. But if all prophesy, if everybody's preaching, okay? This is the verses. Everybody's speaking a different language. Verse 24, if all prophesy, everybody's preaching, and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he's convinced of all. He's judged of all. Why? Because the preaching of the word of God, God to use it and convict somebody and show them they're lost. Verse 25, and thus all the secrets of his heart, or the secrets of his heart made manifest. The Spirit of God reveals to a man the secrets of his heart. And so falling down on his face, not backwards like Benny Hinn knocks him backwards. You notice it's on his face. Anytime people fall in backwards, you can realize, hey, that ain't right. Amen. People fall on their face toward God. Amen. Falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, this, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. So when this church would gather together, everybody's going, me, 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 call on me, call on me, I want to preach, I want to talk, I want to sing, I want to do this, I want to show you how good I am. It was as much of me, 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 me. Paul said, let, every, let all things be done to edifying. Don't try to trip over each other to show out. Let everything help everybody. Let everything benefit the church. It's not about you. It's about the Lord and his church. Feeling a sense of ecstasy is not being edified. Falling down, rolling around on the floor and getting dirt on you and everything else, your dress going up over your head, that is not being edified. That ain't right. You know, I, I've seen those churches. I've watched video. I've seen it. And women, they fall down. They, they start out dancing and jumping around. Then they fall on the floor and flop and carry on. And their dress starts falling up. And they got people facing over with, with sheets. So when a woman falls down, her dress goes up, her hand holds it closed, her drawers, they run over and they fall that sheet over them. Now, where do you find that verse? Where are you supposed to do all that? Where's that doctrine talk? The covering of women when they're rolling around barking like dogs. I don't see that in my New Testament. Player's <clears throat> Greek lexicon, the word edifying, it's the act of one who pro- who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, and holiness. That don't come from somebody jibber-jabbering. That comes from teaching somebody the truth. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, I know you all know his name, some of you, on, uh, in his commentary on 1 Corinthians 14, 26, he tells this, he says, a former student of mine who had been a Roman Catholic went into a tongues meeting and recited part of a, ma- uh, of a Latin mass. He stood up when they had tongues time and he gave, a, he gave a Latin mass. And when he sat down, another man rose up to interpret. And he went on to say this, that, and the other thing. 
He said, he said, this friend of mine got up and said, I just want you to know that ain't what I said. I gave you a Latin mass, and he started telling what he really said, and the ushers came and hustled him out the back of the church. They, they got exposed. They didn't want that exposure. So, again, there's a lot of this hocus-pocus stuff goes on. Verse 27, I'm going to hurry up and try to get us done. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. So, again, if we had if we had some missionaries, say they were here from Africa, they spoke in, they spoke in, in, a, in, in a tongue, an Af- African tongue, and we didn't know that language at all, and, and we had somebody here with them that could speak both African and English, and so when they got up to speak, he got up with them, and he interpreted everything they said. God said, that's fine. But if not, those men don't need to get up and speak because it won't help anybody. Verse 28, if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. He said, but he's here. But yeah, but if nobody understands him, it don't do any good, so let him sit down. And it says, let him speak to himself and to God. That just means he's to pray silently. He ain't got nothing to say to anybody else. He can talk to himself and say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, it's your good to be in this church, and, and praise God, but he ain't going to speak to nobody else because nobody else understands him. Bible says, let the prophets speak two and three, or three and let the other judge. That means if there's more than one preacher, others supposed to sit by and make sure what that preacher's saying is right. He's to discern, verse 30, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. All right, so God's saying there's an order to things. Things should be done in order in a church, not just wild and however, whatever goes. For ye may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted, because that's the point. Is people being edified, built up, learning things, and being comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That's important. When a preacher gets up, he's supposed to have control over himself. Preacher ain't supposed to get up and act wild and crazy and, and lose his composure and, 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 and go through one of them charismatic wild fits. That, that, no, the spirits of the prophets, look, you can't say, well, all something got a hold of me. No, it didn't. It was you. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion. So again, that's how that's how you know that when somebody gets up and acts crazy in a church, that that ain't God, because God doesn't do that. He said so right there. As soon as he said that the spirits are they're in charge of their own spirit. God ain't doing that. God ain't the author of confusion, but of peace. When God moves in, peace moves in. Confusion does not, as in all the churches of the saints. Now, I'm going to cover this in quick, and we'll go to the house. But I know you all already know this, but we're going to cover it anyway. Verse 34, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Why is that? Genesis 3.16, under the woman, he said, I will bring, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. God set up the structure again. The husband's to lead, the wife's to follow, and the children to follow both of them. And that's the way God set it up. That's, that's his order. The man was made first, and then the woman. That's what we'll see right now. Uh, but verse 35, it says, If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for women to speak in a church. And it doesn't mean ugliness the way it sounds. Some people take that to mean. All it means is this. 
that when a man and a wife, when they finish church and they go home, they ought to talk about what's been said. If, if, she wants, if, if his wife wants to discuss what was said in the sermon, her and he ought to sit down and discuss it. They ought to have a spiritual discussion in the home regarding what was preached in the church. He said, well, what would a woman do if she's, if she's widowed or if she's divorced? If she had a question, I think she ought to either go to one of the deacons in the church or go to the pastor and ask, the, ask somebody in, the, in leadership in the church. But it doesn't mean women are not valuable in the church. Women don't get a say in the church. But there should be an order to it. It, it, ought, to be, it ought not be that, that when, we're, when, we're, when we're talking about something that that a woman's running over the top of men. That's just not the way God does things. And it's not that I think we are any less than the man. I know y'all know that. But God has an order. Again, just like he has an order when it comes to speaking in the church, period. He has an order for all of it. First Timothy 2, 8, 8 through 14, he said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in a like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shame, faithfulness, and sobriety, not with broided hair, gold, or pearls, or costly array, but that which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, for I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Again, he's not being ugly. He's just simply saying there's an order to things. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. If, if God had made Eve and made Adam for Eve, then God had been telling men to hush and let the, let the woman leave, but he made it the other way around. Verse 14, for Adam was not deceived. You know, that's important. I don't ever get preached on enough. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. She listened to the serpent. She took the fruit. She ate the fruit. And he come along and caught, walked up on this scene. He wasn't there watching her do it. He walked up on it, and she's standing there ashamed of herself with that fruit in her hand. And she said, he gave it to me. He told me He told me it was okay. And Adam walked up and went off. What have you done? You're not the same. You're not like you were before. And Adam made a choice right then. I can either say, God, make me a different one. She messed up. And Adam could have done that. I'm assuming he could. Adam could have went right back to God and said, God, that one, that one's defunct. That one, that one's defective. You're going to have to make another one. But that surgery, I'm still kind of sore. I don't know if he can find another bone. But anyway, but no, what he did is he made a choice. He walked up and he said, I'm going to have to do what she did in order to be with her. And so he became, he joined her in the transgression in order that he might be with her, just as Christ became sin for us that he might redeem us unto himself. It's a picture. All right, verse 36, what came the word of God out from you or came it unto you only? Again, he's saying he's Corinthians. Do you, do you think? That, that, that what you think is more important than what the Word of God says? Did it come to you only? I mean, are y'all the interpreters of how God's doing things? God speaks directly to you? And I think about I've told you about the woman that was, I was laying carpet, and she's in the bedroom writing a letter to me from God in the dark. It's called automatic writing. It's witchcraft. Where they sit there and, the, and, and they write. and they just kind of, It's kind of like speaking in tongues. They just kind of lose their mind in this right. Something takes hold of them. It ain't God. I can tell you that. And she gave me that letter telling me all these things that was going to happen to me in my ministry, and none of them have happened. I was supposed to pastor some great big church, and all this kind of wonderful things were going to happen to me. No, the opposite happened. 
You know why? I think the devil had her writing that letter. I think the devil wanted me to wanted me to rely on some letter I got somewhere versus the word of God because he signed it, thus saith the Lord at the bottom of it. Now, you know what let's let's analyze that thought for a minute. If that letter was thus saith the Lord, then I need to get a hold of the Bible publishers somewhere and we need to have that an addendum added to the Word of God. Because if that's the Word of God, it belongs in the Word of God. So every time somebody at Pentecostal church says, Thus saith the Lord, we better add to our Bible because if that's God speaking, we better put it in there. Right? What does the word say about people adding and taking? There you go. Kind of tells you who's behind it, don't it? Amen. Verse 37, if any man, again, think himself to be a prophet, didn't say a woman because there was women preachers. There was women preachers in the pagan thing, and Paul's making it clear. Then again, Pythagoras or whatever her name was sitting on the rock, over the crack in the rock getting crazy and on, on gas and, and jibber-jabbering. Listen, she had set the standard for women preachers in Corinth. So, hey, there's a lot of women probably want to be a preacher because of what she was doing. Paul said, no, got to be a man. And if he thinks himself to be a prophet, spiritual, let him, listen to this, if he thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. I challenge anybody who's wrapped up in the charismatic movement and thinks that what they're doing by letting all these words jumbled up noises come out of their mouth, that that is somehow something that God wants all of us to have, that somehow that's the evidence of salvation, and that makes them more spiritual than, than, than me or you. I, I challenge you. I challenge you, Pentecostal preacher. I challenge you, charismatic preacher. I challenge you, charismatic woman. I challenge you, charismatic man. Show me how this is wrong. God says... Let him acknowledge the things that are right unto you are of the commandments of God. And when God says he's not the author of confusion, when he said unto here that it doesn't edify the church, then how in the world is what they do edifying to anybody? How is what they do a commandment of God? It is not. It is hogwash, my hind leg. Let's let that stuff lie and not ever think twice about it again. Verse thirty nine, oh, verse thirty eight, and Paul goes on to say, But if a man if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. If somebody don't want to if somebody don't want to agree with God's word, just let them go and be a fool. That's what God's saying. Boy, it's harsh language. We know the Bible doesn't mince words. God don't see no reason to beat around the bush. It is what it is. Amen. Being, He's saying, let somebody, if they want to be ignorant, let them be willfully ignorant at their own peril. If they want to be, let them go and do it. Whatever. What a dangerous thing it is to ignore the scripture in light of our own experience and our own culture. I had somebody tell me, well, you have doctrine, but I have experience. Well, whoop you do You can take your experience in a dollar and a half and get a cup of coffee. Maybe. But I'll take the Word of God over your experience any day of the week. So Paul finally wraps this thing up, and he says, Wherefore, brethren, in other words, seeing everything we just talked about, he said, covet to prophesy. Covet to prophesy. Look, don't get your eyes on trying to tongues. Don't get your eyes on doing that. That's not the best gift. He says, covet to prophesy, preaching. Hey, if you, if, you, if you can preach the word, if you can learn the doctrine and share that with somebody, that's so much more important than somebody standing there speaking in a different language. 
But he said, and forbid not to speak with tongues. But again, tongues are languages. He said, if somebody comes in and they speak in a different language, don't tell them they can't get up and speak, but it has to be done right. And he says, he finishes it off with let all things be done decently and in order. Why? Because God's decent and God is orderly. Amen? Praise God. Let's stand together. I hope that helped you. If you didn't know all that already, I hope you got something. And if you didn't know it already, maybe it was a refresher. And and if you know somebody who's caught up in that stuff, I hope now you have a little bit of ammo. You talk to them about it without being afraid they're going to run you in a circle. Because there ain't nothing more frustrating than trying to teach somebody and you don't know all of what you're talking about. But but anyway, I I wanted to help you on that tonight. But again, I think that's the most important thing we're going to talk about today. But again, I wanted to share that with you. But uh, again, let's, let's be mindful. Christ is coming soon. Let's be mindful of the people we need to be warning that it's going to happen soon and we need to be ready. Amen? All right. You remember to pray for me in, in the days coming up as we get ready to go to revival meeting. Pray that God will give me the power I need to preach exactly what ought to be said and to glorify his name. Anything from anybody before we go home tonight? It's been good to be with you. I've enjoyed seeing you in the house of God today. Amen? <laughs> All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and be dismissed. Brother Byron, dismiss us in prayer. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.